Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Fix, part of the all-new Steel Curtain Network, formerly the Behind the Steel Curtain.com podcast network. Um, you've seen a lot of the updates. We're not going to belabor that here on the Steelers Fix, but we're excited for this new opportunity. I'm joined by Andrew Wilbar, who graciously filled in and did the whole show for me last week while I was out not feeling well. I've got my voice back for the most part. Got my health back for the most part. So we're back. Andrew, how you been, man? I find it so ironic that the time you were sick was the time that we had a Michigan player on the show. But nonetheless, <laughs> I will say that I I was very sad that you were not on last week. Yeah. Because sure. like the well, the first half was I loved doing the interview. It was great. Talking about kickers, punters, and long snappers, I realize how little there is to really discuss about them, and I realize why we don't really spend a whole lot of time talking about them. Sure. Because you really, all you're looking at, okay, hang time, distance, you know, how quickly does he get, you know, the ball off as a punter, you know, long snapper, what are you looking for other than, you know, he snaps it cleanly, snaps it quick. Yeah. Um, And he's, you know, there's consistency yeah. in those yeah. two areas. There literally is nothing else to evaluate, you know, I mean, on fake punts, how good can he hold up as a lineman? It. <laughs> you know, 235 pounds. I mean, and, you know, throw kickers, it on a fake. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's just, you know, there's only so much it could do. And, you know, I, it was an okay time to do it because we had a few spare minutes, you know, talk about that. So we got it out of the way. Um, but I will say that uh, not a whole lot of long snappers, period, in this class. They usually sure. aren't. Um, kicker class, not that strong. Punter, though, some intriguing names. Um, but yeah. we'll see if the Steelers actually go that direction. But I'm excited to talk about other positions and your uh, mock draft we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, man. It was a fun uh, exercise a couple weeks ago now that we put together, or I put together that mock draft kind of as a as the conclusion of a three-part series. So uh, I always give that caveat, and I tried to do it in the articles as well because there's a lot of reaction to, man, you didn't take a defensive tackle? What What's going on here? And, you know, maybe I, I really wanted to still, but I just couldn't find room for it in what I felt the Steelers should do after having addressed in free agency and, uh, you know, retaining our own free agents, you know, in parts one and two is that's what I address. So uh, that kind of as a caveat, if you're looking for more information about this draft and why I went the the way I did with it, um, you know, you can go back to behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things, Pittsburgh Steelers and check out those articles. Uh, they are titled the bets off season or the bets 2023 offseason kind of making a play on my name. Ha 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 fun stuff. All right, Andrew, before we get into the draft, I have a serious question for you. Did you watch any XFL football over the weekend? No, <laughs> oh, I, 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 no. I'm not against the XFL. I just don't have time for it, especially sure. at this point of year. If I feel like if the NFL wants to get their full, the most, or, you know, the XFL, my bad, if the XFL wants to get, you know, the most viewership and that goes the same for the USFL. They need to move it past the draft, past free agency, yeah. past March madness in the summertime when really there's not as much going on, especially football. You know, when you think of, you know, there's some NFL activities going on in June, but you know, I feel like, you know, late May, early June would be the ideal time to, you know, do that when there's really no football going on of any sort. Yeah. I think the USFL kind of pushes into that time frame. Yeah. That's why I watched it more or why I will probably watch it more. Um, than I did the XFL. But here's a, just a quick recap of Heinz Ward's coaching debut in the XFL. All right. They took a six, no, or six to three lead into the fourth quarter before 
putting up uh, a a touchdown and let's see they must have gone for or a touchdown and, and another field goal and it was 15 to 3 all right going with 1 minute and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter 15 to 3 um the other team from St. Louis i believe the Battlehawks they came down the field with a minute 30 left and scored a touchdown then Due to XFL rules, they went for three points from the 10-yard line, and they got it. So now it is, uh, let's see, it is 12. It is now 12 to 15, all right? So they're three points down, and instead of kicking off, they try fourth and 15 from their own 25. They convert, go down, and score another touchdown as time expires to win 18 to 15, and... Uh, the Brahmas, Heinz Ward's uh, team never touched the ball in that whole time period. So, man, the XFL is crazy. And uh, it, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. Is it too much of a um, a mock of the NFL? Not, not that they're trying to mock the NFL, but you know what I'm talking about. Is it too much fake football to really be enjoyable? That's kind of how I felt after week one. Yeah, I don't like, you know, the all the going for threes, going for twos, the fourth and 15s. I mean, the yeah. offenses with all these spread concepts, is the rules are already slanted against the defense so much. Right. And we keep seeing the, you know, offense beginning to dominate in the NFL. I don't want a league that has even more of that. You know, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I will say, though, Matthew Sexton, I believe, is in the XFL. He was selected by some team. I don't remember sure. what one. But he's a guy I'd be keeping an eye on. You know, Steelers need depth at wide receiver. If the Steelers were to move on from, say, Gunner or someone like that, bringing back Sexton, I mean, I, I'm obviously he grew up just a few minutes away from where I did. Sure. Um, and he's not that different in age either. So, I, you know, I'm obviously pulling for him to come back because he had that good preseason outside of Yeah, really good pre- one, preseason. That probably yeah. cost his roster spot. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, he is, a, and he posts his son on Twitter. You know, I can guarantee you, uh, there are not 32 kick returners in the NFL that are better than I am, and you're gonna find out here real soon. Something yeah. about that, and I mean, he is true. Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. Uh, Robert Turpin from the USFL won himself an NFL roster spot with the Dallas Cowboys and was one of the most dynamic kick returners in the league. So there's precedent for it. We'll see what happens. Enough XFL football, Andrew. Let's dive into my seven-round mock. And uh, just wanted to give kind of an overview of of how I came across or came up with this specific mock draft. A little bit different than, you know, where you're picking for every team and you're kind of just addressing every team need uh, or every team's needs and, and what you think probably will, will work out best uh, or work out with each team, the direction that they'll go. I was really going for, you know, I'd done my, we we retained some free agents in my first article. And uh, then we went after some guys in my second article that filled positions of need. I I got a nose tackle and Dalvin Tomlinson uh, from Minnesota. I went and got Jermaine Pratt from Cincinnati, who Dave Schofield wrote another article about this week. That was really good. He's somebody to keep on your radar, I think, for Pittsburgh. Um, So I addressed some of these things in free agency. I went back and got and re-signed Cam Sutton. So those were kind of my big moves in free agency. And um, so I go into this draft with the thought process that I'm drafting positions of need for Pittsburgh, trying to help them this year for the most part, while keeping an eye to to the future 
to a point, but I'm drafting positions of need with a mind for cost efficiency based on their free agency move. Cause I have them making some moves in free agency. I think Omar Khan's probably good for some exciting moves this off season and they might spend a little more money than we're used to this off season. We'll see if they do then this draft kind of falls in place to where they can maximize some value and still get players that can contribute to them right away and also be potential pieces for the future. So with that in mind, in round one, pick 17, I went cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I chose Penn State cornerback Joey Porter Jr. And um, my goal was to find a cornerback one, CB1, because uh, I, I think Cam Sutton's a really good two. I don't think he's a one. You're going to pay him like you're one, but you're doing that while you can get this rookie on his rookie contract with a potential fifth-year option as well and hope he develops into your true lockdown corner. Andrew, tell me, if that happens, is that not best-case scenario for this Pittsburgh defense uh, going into 2023? Uh, it's going to be expensive to buy a cornerback on the open market you get that fifth-year option to keep him under contract with the team at that lower number for five seasons. Joey Porter Jr., pair him with Cam Sutton for three years on a new contract for Sutton, and you've got a dynamic duo in the secondary. How you feel? I would, I have, I would have no issues at all with Joey Porter Jr. I and I think that is the ideal scenario because Cam Sutton is going to be too expensive. Mm-hmm. You are going to be paying him like a CB one. He is, and if the Steelers believe that, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. I mean, this is something we discuss every offseason. The Steelers yeah. still need a number one corner. The Steelers still need a number one corner. They haven't had one for so long. But, you know, Porter has that upside, and I'm excited to see what he does at the combine. I'm just not sure how good I want him to do at the combine right. because if he does well enough. That slot for CB1 is still available. It could be him, could be Christian Gonzalez, it mm-hmm. could be um uh Devon Witherspoon. It's you know, is up for grabs. And there's yeah. our corner needy teams ahead of us. You got New England, you have um Detroit if they take one that early. There's several teams before the Steelers that could take one. And like we were yeah. talking about, you know, in free agency, I mean the free agency not only is the draft class bad, the free agency class isn't that great either. Overall, one of the more underwhelming NFL offseasons in terms of available talent. Yeah. It, positions just across the board. I mean, the more and more tape I watched of this year's draft, the more underwhelmed I am about it. I mean, this is just, I've never seen anything like this guys that, you know, we, we saw going on day three, middle of day three, even to the later portions, sometimes of day three, those are the quality players we may be seeing going off the board on parts of day yeah. two this year. I mean, it, it, once you, I don't know if there is a way that we're really going to be able to mock anything. I'm still going to do my seven round mock like I do every year, but we're talking about, I'm struggling to find, you know, a hundred guys with a draftable grade this mm-hmm. year, which usually it's the exact opposite. And I'm very generous with my grading. Most guys, you know, they come up with, you know, maybe 22, 23 first round grades. Usually I get closer to, you know, 29, 30 in that range, sometimes even more than that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a very generous grader. I'm that teacher that like, you know, gives extra credit, you know, for just proving something little. <laughs> I'm this minor project. All right, I'm going to boost you up a little bit. I boost you up a lot on the board. This year, I'm still, I'll, I'm still, getting through some of the smaller school prospects and there's still a lot of tape I have to go through. So I will come up with more, but there's going to be a lot of guys that I have undrafted grades on that are going to get drafted this year. There's always a few, but this year there's going to be a lot because the overall pool of talent just across the board outside, maybe running back tight end, which we'll talk about later in the show and uh, corner. Those are yeah. the only three positions that are really that great in this draft. Defense line, edge rusher are okay. Yeah. Offensive line is okay. 
but it's not great by any stretch. The only reason it's being pumped up is because the overall class is bad. Right. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the quarterback class last year. Some of these guys got bumped up in, in the pre-draft process. And then we kind of saw it play out how people really thought of these quarterbacks overall in the draft. So maybe we'll see that as well, but I think you're, you're definitely looking at a draft class where um, you better, you better hit on your early picks because uh, it's going to be tough to find talent down the line. Um, I think Joey Porter Jr. could be that guy. Um, you're, you're right. He could improve his stock and get taken earlier. I I truly think Witherspoon and Gonzalez will be well off the board by the time the Steelers pick at 17. So uh, Porter was kind of the best case scenario there. I, I prefer Christian Gonzalez if I if I had to pick one at this point. But Joey Porter Jr. looks good on tape. He's not. He doesn't have all the ball skills that you see from like a Christian Gonzalez, but. Uh, he, he's a guy who has all the physical skills that you would like to see. That's why I went with Joey Porter Jr. Uh, real quick before we go on to number two or round two, Andrew. Well, the got? fact that I think Porter, the amount of pass breakups he's had, mm-hmm. I think is a good, I know that a lot of people bring up the fact, you know, people that don't get interceptions in, you know, college don't, you know, usually that usually translates to the NFL with not being a big playmaker. Mm-hmm. But I will say the fact that, you know, with his aggression, um, I think he is capable of creating more turnovers in the NFL, but I think the encouraging part is that, you know, his, the passer rating when thrown against was so low, I think teams respected that. And the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, he wasn't getting, you know, thrown at all game or anything like that. So it wasn't like he had a bunch of opportunities. And the only reason that, you know, I, the only reason that I haven't rated higher than Gonzalez is because I feel like, he has a little bit more schematic versatility as much as I like, you know, pure man guys. And he's mm-hmm. also played some zone as well. But I feel like Porter can play just about anything. And with his length, he can close quickly on defenders. I prefer him in man. And I think he's best in man. Yeah. But knowing the Steelers, I don't think, you know, I, I think he would he would still work out well enough to be in, you know, a zone heavy scheme, even though that may not be his perfect fit. But I, I can't disagree with the selection. I love that pick. Yeah, and the Steelers played a lot more man last year than they had in previous years. I think you'll you're gonna kind of see a trend that direction as well. Uh, moving on to round two with the thirty second pick, the first pick of round two that the Steelers acquired from the Chicago Bears in their trade of Chase Claypool. I had the Steelers going offensive line with a guy that you actually mocked to them in the first round of your mock draft 1.0, and that's offensive tackle, offensive guard offensive center, whatever you want him to be, right? Cody Mock from North Dakota State University. He's got that versatility. I think he's a day one starter at guard. If you wanted to plug and play him, I think you could do that. Um, I wrote in my article that I thought he'd be an improvement on Kevin Dotson uh, right out the gate. But uh, tell me what you think about Cody Mock. Do you think he would he could be a plug and play guard or would you prefer him uh, as a plug and play tackle, or do you think he can he can be that for Pittsburgh over a Dan Moore Jr.? I think he's going to start at guard. He may move his way out to tackle, you know, whether it be injury or whatever ends up pushing him out there. The reason I had him mock to the series is tackles because I felt that tackle was still the bigger need of the two positions, um, just because I believe you know the importance of a left tackle. Um, and but you know schematically, the reason that I thought it made sense was that he fits what the Steelers yeah. like. Um, he, uh, he is arm length. We'll see, you know, what it measures out at, at the combine, uh, but a guy who can play in zone, uh, and the Steelers have run a lot of inside and outside zone uh, along the offensive line. 
Um, but left guard, he I think that was the best spot he played at. He was good at every position at the senior bowl, yeah. one of the true standouts. Um, but I think left guard, he did look a little bit more natural there. Uh, he didn't get pushed off as much. I and I think going if he's playing next to a guy like Mason Cole, per se, let's say let's say the Steelers don't replace either of the two guys, or the Steelers bring in Mock, but nobody else on that left side of the line. If he's out at tackle and he's playing next to Kevin Dotson. I would rather him be playing at guard next to Mason Cole than him being a tackle next to Kevin Dawson having no other support. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like the best situation for him, if he comes into the Steelers, especially if it's that second pick and the Steelers, maybe add someone. I'm, I, even with the injury, I think the best case scenario is Steelers find a way to bring in Taylor Lewan if he's cut. Um, but at guard, I think he can come in day one. Yeah. Be a, a starter, not, you know, the most attractive pick. And, you know, I like other guys at that pick, but I don't know sure. if I would really complain just concerning again, the depth of the class being not that good, get being able to get a high quality starter with the first pick in the second round, you know, got to take what you can get. And I, I think this would be a solid pick. Absolutely. And kind of, and moving on, but kind of in the same vein on offense, uh, a guy who can be a weapon and a guy who can uh, help out in, in the run game as well. Um, I had the Steelers going tight end in the second round for this, for the second time in, in three years. And uh, with the 49th pick of the draft, I have them going Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Washington is a guy to me that he could be drafted with the first pick on day two, or he could be drafted with the last pick on day two. I think he's a day two prospect, but he's kind of got a good range there for me. And it depends on who likes him. But I think with the type of quarterback you've got and Kenny Pickett, who's not really a let's stretch the field 60, 70 yards and, and make plays that way let you you've got a guy who's more of a field general who's more of a uh west coast style um player in in just in the fact that he likes to throw underneath he likes to throw intermediate routes he he's pretty good at, the, at that uh back shoulder throw down the sideline get a guy in darnell washington who can really play the seams at six seven two seventy and uh you know can settle in in zone and then be kind of like a a, a sixth lineman in uh the run game as well. That's huge versatility. And I think that is a help Kenny Pickett in 2023 type of move. If he's there it, with the Steelers second pick in, in round two, it was my favorite pick of this mock, just uh, to be honest, and uh, uh, the favorite scenario for the Steelers for me in this mock. Tell me what you think though, Andy. Yeah, I like Washington. You know, there's always concerns about, you know, the fact, well, he didn't, you know, he was, he wasn't the number one tight end, but that's because Brock Bowers has been fantastic for them, mm-hmm. you know, and he still had a pretty big role in the offense and he was a big time blocker for them. That's what I like. I love the blocking tight ends guys that can do it both ways. Um, and I, right now, as we'll get into in the second half of the show, you know, he's, he is my number two tight end in this class. There's a bunch of guys in that same grouping. It's all really close, but I feel like you're going to see probably a good four, maybe even five tight ends that find their way into the second round just because of the lack of depth at other positions. And I feel like there may be a team like the Steelers who could add to the wide receiver room, but since the receiver class is only average yeah, and the tight end class is good. I mean, on a normal year like this, even with Washington's, you know, not great numbers, a guy with his talent would probably be still going, you know, in the late first round, mm-hmm. more than likely you're going to see him available on day two, unless he completely lights up the combine. Right. So I think, you know, 
especially that second second round pick. I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. You know, if the Steelers are getting comparing him to, you know, say like a guy like Rasheed Rice, not a bad receiver, um, guy who has a lot of upside, but a guy, you know, where would he fit in this within the Steelers offense? If that's right. the type of receiver that's available, I'm taking Darnell Washington instead and just using more two tight end sets. Yeah, I agree. I think Washington fits what the Steelers want to do on offense a little bit better. I think that's why you go big tight end at some point in this draft. I would ex- I would say that in as far as things that would surprise me in this draft, drafting a big tight end at some point is is one of the least of those. <laughs> I could see the Steelers doing that um, very, very much so in this draft. Let's move on to round three. We'll talk about this guy real quick. I'm going to do another article on him, and I mentioned him also on uh, the uh, Let's Ride with uh, with Jeff Hartman this last Friday. DeMarvian Overshone from Texas, linebacker prospect. He's got speed coverage ability. He's a former safety. Um, he comes downhill and, and attacks ball carriers as well. He's not the, the best tackler in the world, but when he hits you, you know it. Uh, he needs to be able to learn and read defenses a little better. But I think um, after his combine, and I think after uh, some of the offseason things that he's going to go through, his stock because of his athleticism is going to rise. So I think the Steelers in the third round, they wouldn't be able to get somebody like him in the fourth. They'd need to spend that pick uh, in the third round. Uh, just tell me real quick what you think about um, Overshone out of Texas. Have you watched any tape of his? Yeah. Yes, I have actually. And I do like his ability to do, kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, he's not, he doesn't have the bulk to be an excellent run blocker, but he gets his nose in there. He can blitz. You talked about his coverage ability, excellent range. Mm-hmm. I feel that if I, he, at six foot four, he has the frame to add more weight. He was playing yeah. at 220 roughly. Mm-hmm. If he weighs in at the combine, and assuming that his numbers across the board are as good as we expect, if he measures in at six foot four and say, 235 or higher if he if yeah. he is 235 pounds or higher i think he could go inside the top 40 picks in the draft wow. i think he because the linebacker yeah. class like we've talked about before it's not good you got trenton simpson who's talented didn't produce drew sanders who can blitz but he's not a true inside linebacker you know a sole true inside linebacker yeah. and then you have jack campbell who's not that athletic yeah all of those guys have you know concerns overshone his big concern is what about his size? Can he hold up, you know, at that weight? If he can add weight to that frame before the combine and maintain that throughout the draft process, I think he's going to get clumped up with those other guys. That's just projection right sure. now. Um, but if the Steelers can get him at this point, again, a guy who's got some talent, guy who has a chance to be a starter, all the guys that are available at that point aren't going to have that same talent this year. So good yeah. selection. I agree. I, you know, overshown, if you look at the comparisons, um, he looks a lot like a Ryan Shazier uh, coming out of college. Ryan Shazier obviously had the production. He was a, a he's, I think, still even a better athlete than Overshone is. Um, but 6'3", 233 was, um, was Shazier coming out of college. If uh, Overshone gets to that 230-plus mark, like you said, um, he, he's looking like a really fine linebacker prospect. And one of the better coverage linebackers um, for a day two, day three prospect that we've seen in, in that I've seen recently. So moving on to round four, I picked uh edge rusher for the Steelers. A lot of people didn't like this on the article that I went edge rusher over defensive line in this draft, but I think you've got to have three really good rushers on your team. And with the uncertainty around, can the Steelers keep Alex Highsmith in 2024 and beyond? 
Um, you, you know, it's time to bring in somebody to groom there. You've already got DeMarvin Leal in-house, and I think you probably address defensive tackle and free agency because it'll be cheaper to do so than addressing cornerback or a, a big-time left tackle. You know, that's those are not cost-effective moves for Pittsburgh. So um, definitely the defensive line is a way to do that. O'Shawn Mathis is, for a guy who plays, or for a guy flying under the radar, I think he's one of the more polished rushers in as far as a speed rusher goes he's got a good spin move as well um you know for a, a guy who could be an early day three pick uh, i think he could move up draft boards as well as he um as the combine and everything happen but um right now he's projected as like a round six pick maybe a late round five pick i think he can work his way up in round four the steelers could go with a guy who can win with speed. He uh, obviously needs refinement and run defense, but he fits that three, four outside linebacker mold. He's uh six, four and 245 pounds. And uh, he's got that speed. Like I talked about, have you done any study on Mathis yet? I did last year. Now I haven't dug into his 2022 tape, but last year before he declared, I was looking into him, starting to evaluate him. And one thing that I did come away with was, you know, is his combination of speed and power. You mentioned the speed. He does have some power as well. Mm-hmm. The big issue, like you mentioned, you know, it, refinement on run defense. He gets pushed off the ball too easily. Yeah. Doesn't have a solid of a base as a guy you would expect with that size. Um, needs to learn to use his hands a little bit better. Um, getting a little bit lower, improving that pad levels of run defender. All those things will help him. Still, I feel a little bit on the raw side. Um, but again, this is going, I'm basing most of this off last year's tape because I really sure. haven't done any deep dive into his 2022 tape yet yeah if you read around places um uh, the draft network really likes him um they they feel he's got um some polish as opposed to last year that he grew a lot in 2022 now he only had three sacks for nebraska in 2022 but um, he was kind of a rotational rusher he had just transferred i believe as well so he was a guy that uh pretty well um, liked in the transfer portal. A lot of teams were going after him, but there was, you know, some concerns about uh, can he, can he get more polished as a rusher? And a lot of places seem to think that he has gotten there. Um, Andrew, let's go ahead and take a break before we get to round seven. And we'll just, uh, we'll just mention these guys real quick because the Steelers do not have a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick. And I did not make any trades in this mock draft. So let's go ahead and take our break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the round seven selections that I made just real quick before we dive into our first positional breakdown for the draft of 2023. We're going to talk tight ends since we, since I selected one in this mock draft, we're going to go ahead and talk about the tight ends and uh, Andrew will give you his top five and there's going to be some sleepers to watch as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Steelers fix with more NFL draft. talk. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Jeremy Betts back with you alongside Andrew Wilbar. If you missed the first half of the show, don't know how you would. Kind of wonder about those that just would skip to the second half of the show. I don't know. <clears throat> if you're one of those people, let us know. Because uh, um, I I definitely would listen to the first half before I 
listen to the second half. But anyway, if for some reason you missed the first half of the show, go back and listen. We had some mock draft talk. We're going to finish that one up. Uh, Andrew, we're going to dive right in. We went a little long in the first half. So let's uh, let's close this out and then we'll talk uh, tight end position group for the draft. And we'll break down your top five and some sleepers to consider as well if you're Steelers fans. So round seven with the first pick for the Steelers in round seven. Um, again, the Steelers do not have a fifth and sixth round pick as we six or as we sit here today. Um, maybe that'll change with some trades or some uh, you know whatever offseason things the Steelers have going on. But to talk uh, here in the seventh round, I went with a wide receiver. I think the Steelers do need to address wide receiver at some point this offseason, and I think it needs to be somebody in the slot. Uh, I really think that that's the spot to, to hit. Um, I like the idea of a, of a bigger slot like a Juju Smith-Schuster, not necessarily saying bring in Juju, but a guy who kind of fits that mold from a body type perspective and played at a small school, so maybe it gets overlooked in the draft process, who I think is a good player, is South Alabama's Jalen Wayne. Had a good year this last year for – um south alabama and just a, a yards after catch monster he's a, a stoutly built player at wide receiver kind of reminds you of a uh debo samuel as far as a body type goes and and the way he likes to play lavisca chenault comes to mind a little bit as well um i think wayne has a little more twitch in him maybe than some of those guys but, uh, Andrew, I wanted your opinion on Jalen Wayne out of South Alabama. He's a guy I haven't watched a lot of tape on, but from what I've seen, um, can be a, a guy that you think could have a role at the NFL level. He's very smart with the ball in his hands. He He's not elite in any one area. He doesn't have one elite trait. He's not, you know, yeah. Reggie Wayne, but he – he knows what he is. And I think that's an important part of being a draft prospect, knowing what you are, what your limitations are, and knowing where your what your strengths are relative to the weaknesses of the defense you're facing. And I think that Jalen Wayne is a guy, he he's a he's a pretty decent route runner, not elite, but good, sufficient. Um, he's not gonna burn you vertically, doesn't have the greatest speed, but he's pretty sure-handed. And like we talked about, you know, yards after the catch, he he's not going to separate with his speed. But what he can do he, when he's cuts are clean, which they usually are, he can separate at that point, at that cut point. When he makes a cut, he can get, a you know, that extra half step needed to be able to either gain a couple extra yards, you know, running, you know, vertically or horizontally, whichever direction he's going after the catch. Or depending on who he's facing, you know, be, his ability to start and stop with the ball in yeah. his hands almost like a running back in some ways Yes. Um, in the middle of the field, his ability to start and stop and accelerate really quickly. Um, again, you know, not a straight line speed guy, but a guy who can start and stop quickly. And that's important for a guy that is going to be playing a lot out of the slot. Yeah. And he's got some uh, kick return and punt return uh, experience. So you kind of see that in his play as well. He sees the field. Well, once he gets the ball in his hand kind of goes to your point about him being a smart player after the catch. And then to close out the draft, just real quick, I went with a double dip along the offensive line. I went at offensive tackle again, uh, another Alabama player, but this time University of Alabama, Birmingham, offensive tackle, Kadeem Telfort. Andrew, uh, we talked before the show a little bit that you haven't seen much of, of, of Telfort. Let me tell you what I saw a little bit out of him. He's a big uh, tackle. He's got the length that you want. Um, he's got pretty decent feet, moves his feet pretty well. And then he's got really heavy hands, really heavy hands. 
And um, he played at a small school. He's going to need a lot of coaching at the NFL level, a lot of technical refinement. He basically won at UAB with size and, and natural talent. Um, but that doesn't win at the NFL level necessarily, especially for a guy with limited experience there. He's raw, but the Steelers like to bring in a project every year. And I think that the offensive line is a place where they uh, might feel that they have some room to do that, especially if they address it early. What do you think about a prospect like a Kadeem Telfort that is really just a traits guy that you're looking for uh, in the later rounds to see if you can build something out of? Yeah, I have no issues taking traits guys in the later rounds, especially in a draft like this, as we talked about before, you know, find what you can figure out, you know, who has talent and do what you can to develop it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the best you can do. And, you know, with a guy like Telford, you know, I haven't dug into his tape at all. Um, but you know, if you're talking about a guy with big long, you said he's got some good feet, definitely a guy to pay attention to um, in the later rounds, not a guy people are going to pay attention to from UAB, but you know, they've got several decent draft prospects. You know, I'm yeah. a big fan of, I really like uh, Dwayne McBride, uh, the running back mm-hmm. uh, from UAB could be a second round pick. Um, not super versatile, but you know, uh, UAB has been doing a good job the past couple of years of getting out some decent draft prospects. Yeah, they've been growing their program really well. I yeah. think um, you're going to see some more guys from there. And really with those seventh round, seventh round picks, that's what you're looking for. And it's just a guess because these teams are all looking for traits players at that point. They're all looking for high production guys too. Um, and so it's really just who likes who and and who's had exposure to who even in some cases. So um that was my mock draft. Andrew, I did not address defensive tackle. We talked about that earlier. Is that something that you uh, would definitely address? Would you replace any one of these uh, picks that I made with a defensive tackle? I know I got a lot of flack for that on the uh, on the BTSC channel. And keep it coming, guys. I like to hear your your thoughts uh, as listeners and, and readers. It, it really uh, is is fun to interact with you. But Andrew, what do you think? The only spot I really see would be if at 2A, if Siaki Ika is there, I would probably take him over Cody Mock. It would be close. I would probably take Mock. I don't have an issue with taking Mock, um, but I would probably go with Ika uh, just because, you know, I'm hoping the Steelers add a tackle, Taylor Lewan, if he is cut. You know, I don't think he's going to be quite as expensive because of the injury concerns. Um, and then, you know, you Get a guard. I mean, if Joey Porter's not there, maybe you take Torrance at 17. But overall, you know, that would be the one spot where I could see, you know, maybe going there. Um, you know, again, later, Keanu Benton, the Steelers have shown interest in him. He seems to be rising. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my guy, Mozzie Smith, really want to see what his arm length is like because he's got some pretty short arms. But, you know, yeah. I you know, I don't really have any complaints with the mock at all. Well, awesome. I like to hear it. Uh, Well, that's enough talking from me. I'm going to let you do some talking, Andrew, because we're going to dive into a breakdown of the tight end position for this year's draft. And there's some names at the top. And like with most of these uh, these position groups this year, like we talked about to start out the show, um, things kind of fall off a cliff pretty quickly. But there are a few tight ends here that have some potential to to be. Uh, contributors in year one and even especially down the road, uh, maybe take over starting tight end jobs. Uh, you've got uh, the guy I drafted to Pittsburgh as your number two uh, overall tight end prospect, Darnell Washington, but who you got at number one and then talk us through your top five. I've got Michael Mayer. I, I'm curious to see what he runs in the 40. A lot of people are projecting around the four seven um, on tape. You know, he, he has enough explosiveness to be 
um, a really good tight end in the NFL. What's his upside? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he can do it both ways is enough for me. He can block. He can catch. He's a good route runner. He's got a big body. He uses his body to his advantage. He does a good job boxing out in the red zone. He checks all the boxes that you're looking for in a starting tight end in the NFL. Awesome. And then you've got Darnell Washington at two. We've talked about him already. Let's skip down to Tucker Craft at number three. Or is it Croft? I think it's Craft, but I believe it's Craft. Yeah. Um, with Craft. You know, he's a guy, he didn't put up a bunch of production this year, but he had a breakout season in 2021. And I watched one of his games, and what really struck me more than really anything about his game was his feistiness as a run blocker. You know, he he doesn't have the greatest technique in the blocking department, but he doesn't give up on a play, even if he it looks as if he's already beat. He doesn't give up on it. He has active hands, good leg drive, and he has the awareness to diagnose and follow through as a blocker. You know, you will see an occasional drop on tape. Um, He's not immune to drops, uh, but he's more times than not, I would say he is a sure-handed weapon. He can beat slower linebackers with his athleticism, and he's going to beat, you know, an average defensive back. We're talking, you know, the four, five, five guy, you know, he, he can beat him with, you know, his size and his speed, you know, it's probably not going to run, you know, super low 40, um, but he plays, he has a good play speed. Um, and he's pretty explosive with the ball in his hands as well. Uh, he's limited to only three receptions per game in 2022, but we talked about Chris Oladokun, you know, we interviewed yeah. him last year, Jeremy had a yeah. huge impact on that South Dakota state program after he left. The quarterback situation this year was awful. Yeah. And that fallback in production can only be expected when that happens. So I think he's still going to be taken on day two. Most people have him as the number four, number five tight end. I am a little bit higher just because of what he did in 2021. Yeah. I feel like that's going to translate over, um, <laughs> considering the fact that he did have a good quarterback when he was productive. Absolutely. Another South Dakota State tight end looking to make an impact. Dallas Goddard being the most recent, who played in a Super Bowl very recently from my home state of South Dakota. If you didn't know that, there's a little Jeremy Betts trivia for you there. Um, moving on to number four, you've got a guy that some some uh, pundits have as high as their number one tight end, uh, but it kind of falls in more of that number two, number three range, but you got him a little bit lower. Uh, tell us about Luke Musgrave. Yeah, Luke Musgrave is going to find a lot of fans. A lot of people that are not familiar with him are going to jump on his bandwagon at the combine because he's probably going to run a, probably a four five in the forty. It's six foot six, two hundred and fifty plus pounds. Um, wow. He only played two games this year, had injuries. That's my big concern with him. Uh, overall, not the most experienced blocker, but because he is so big, there's is some potential there. He's just got to play lower. He's got to get those pads lower. He did. A, he actually did a decent job at the senior bowl. I was impressed with his uh, run blocking. I was, I was not expecting him to be quite that good coming off the long injury. Um, I do believe he's going to be used primarily as a pass catcher. I don't think you're going to try to turn him into an elite blocker because you have the opportunity to turn him into an elite receiver. If I'm looking at a comp, I look at Mark Andrews from uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Uh, A guy, he has that type of potential. Um, I don't think he's going to hit it in year one, but the further he is removed from his injury injuries and he can remain healthy. I think you're looking, you know, mid year two and then going into year three, I think he could really develop into one of the elite tight ends in the NFL, assuming he stays healthy. Absolutely. And then at number five, Sam Laporta. What do you like about Sam Laporta? Well, first of all, he's an Iowa tight end. Um, <laughs> they, they brought out a lot they, of really good tight ends. Tight um, end you, right? Yeah. I mean, he had 58 catches for 657 yards this year. Only one touchdown, though. That's a little bit of a concern. You know, you know what is he like in the red zone? But if you watch any Iowa football, 
their quarterback situation was, I believe they had the worst quarterback situation in the big, maybe not even the big 10, maybe the entire power five. It was, it was complete garbage. They were yes. struggling to push the ball 10 yards down the field. It was, it, it, it hurt to watch Iowa football games. I mean, we're watching them against Illinois struggling to even get it, you know, past midfield. I mean, it, it was, it's bad, but they have over 650 yards in a season with as many offensive deficiencies as they have. That is nothing short of impressive. Um, he he has potential as a blocker as well, but he doesn't have a strong base, and that causes him to be supplanted as a blocker, and he gets driven back by pass rushers when he's playing in line as an inline blocker. He's willing, uh, but his hand placement is inconsistent. He doesn't have a ton of bulk. He needs to add a little bit more weight. I think overall he still has the chance to be a top 10 tight end in the league, but um, he's not ready yet. He needs to add more weight, needs to refine his blocking, uh, but overall guy – I think he could run a four six. I don't wouldn't shock me if he Ooh, did it. He has decent yeah. athleticism. Definitely got to keep an eye on in those middle rounds, you know. And when you see that Iowa tight end, it's like we've got to pay attention to him at least a little bit. I that's the reason why I have him really just because of the experience he's been around. And just tr- I trust Iowa to produce NFL tight ends. That's why I, really go. the main thing that gave him the edge over Dalton Kincaid, who's my number six tight end. I have a mid third round grade on the both of them. They're almost mm-hmm. identical in grade. Kincaid was more productive guy this year, but he has even less of a bolt is they're very similar body types, but Laporta has just slightly more weight. And considering that he's from the long line of Iowa tight ends, I trust him to develop and translate to the NFL a little bit quicker than Kincaid. I like it, man. Uh, just for curiosity's sake, where would last year's top tight end Trey McBride fall in your Top five here this year. I feel like it's a better group this year. I would probably have him right next to Tucker Craft. Okay. In that number three range, probably. I I didn't. I had what I think it was a a late second round grade on him last year. I think that's what I have. When the big board came out, I had a mid second on Craft. I moved him down to a late second. So I think you're looking at in that, you know, Craft and Musgrave area. I think you're looking at him, you know, in that late second round range that's where i think is he would grade out i like it man all right uh just real quick rapid fire us some sleepers here um middle late round draft picks that you think uh the steelers could potentially target if they choose to address other more pressing needs early in the draft i could be wrong about davis allen but when i watch him on tape i feel like he's a solid athlete he may not run as good of 40 as i'm hoping but if he runs four seven or better Circle this guy as a guy to watch on draft day because he's a good blocker. He's a decent route runner. He can do a little bit of everything, and he's a big weapon in the red zone at six foot six, almost two hundred sixty pounds. Um, Zach Koontz, Christian Koontz's brother uh, from Old Dominion, six foot nice. eight, two fifty one. If the Steelers don't bring back Zach Gentry, keep oh, an man. eye on him. He's not a good blocker yet, but he has a very unique body type. And guess who else was not a good blocker when he came into the NFL? Zach Gentry. Yeah. So keep right. an eye on him in the later rounds. I feel like he has a little bit more upside than Gentry does long term. Um, Brenton Strange from Penn State, six foot three, two hundred forty six. He has a really good pad level as a run blocker. Um, Cameron Latu uh, from Alabama. He's trending more toward maybe a late day two pick. So I wouldn't even necessarily consider him a sleeper. People know about him at this point. Braden Willis though from Oklahoma, uh, six foot four, two hundred thirty nine pounds. He came to Oklahoma at two hundred twenty pounds. Wow. I don't know how much more weight he can add, but he's one of those guys that's going to play a lot out of the slot. Yeah. Um, not going to be the fastest tight end, but a guy um, the Steelers brought in a couple years ago, Dax Raymond. He reminds me kind of a little bit of Dax Raymond, a guy who could come in in the right system, uh, be able to make an impact early on in his career and sub packages as well as maybe even a fullback. Um, and then uh, Payne Durham uh, from Purdue, not a super fast guy, but a big red zone weapon. He showed off at the senior bowl 
really impressed me. Yeah, he did. Uh, so those are some guys to keep an eye on in a relatively deep tight end draft. Yeah, it's not too bad when you look at this tight end group, and I think you're going to see some of these guys um, making key impactful plays for teams in 2023. So we'll be keeping an eye on this tight end class. Andrew, it was fun. Another episode down here for the Steelers fix. What you got coming up on, on uh, BTSC for us? Tell us a little bit. Well, Lord willing, I'm finally going to get back draft 2.0. The schedule has just been too busy and I want to, you know, make sure I've got, you know, everything in line as much as I can uh, for this mock. So mock draft 2.0, which usually comes out the week after the senior bowl. So it's a little bit later this year, um, but that is the goal to have it out. The BTSC big board. Um, if you're out there and you love doing draft analysis, you're a Steelers fan and you want to get involved, yes. reach out to me, uh, Andrew Wilbur with a U11 at gmail.com. I'll give you my email. Reach out to me and we'll get you involved. You know, we can always use more contributors uh, for the big board. Um, it's just a community thing. We do it behind the steel curtain. You know, I do a lot of the sky reports, but we have a lot of people. Jeremy does some reports. Uh, Ryland. There's a good group of guys that um, are helping with the big board. Keep an eye on that. This week, we should have the, uh, I believe we're working on the running backs. Yes, we are. We should have the running backs done this week. It should come out some point this week. Um, and then as well as Mock Draft 2.0. Uh, so keep an eye out for those things. Fantastic stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew underscore Wilbar. And you can follow me on Twitter at the bets 93 thebetz 93 uh, Until next time, for Andrew Wilbar, it's Jeremy Betts. The Steelers fix. We'll be back with you next week. Have a great one.